This is the Home Based Travel Agent Show, and we're, we are at show number 448, and I'm Barry Kant, your host. Well, hello, Alicia. What do we have in store for listeners today? Well, in today's show, our guest is going to talk about travel scams and other security threats you or your clients may face while traveling. We are also going to talk about actions that can be used to prevent these threats. So, Barry, why don't we jump right into the interview? Well, welcome. I have the great pleasure to introduce my guest today, and it's it's Adam Levin. And Adam is a cybersecurity specialist, also a graduate of the University of Michigan Law School, which gives us some affinity here because I'm also a graduate of a law school. And Adam is a podcaster. He has uh, the podcast called What the Hack. If you get a chance, stop over there and, and take a listen to that. It's, I've listened to it. It's a, it's a great podcast and you get a lot of tips there as well. So what I'd like to do is to bring Adam on board here and have him tell us a little bit about himself and get some background. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about travel scams. Maybe give you, well hopefully, not maybe, we will give you information that you can pass along to your clients that would be good for them to know and you know maybe even if uh, you're putting out an email campaign include something of a travel scam section uh, in your email to your clients so adam welcome aboard glad to have you barry thanks for inviting me you're welcome so it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here well i'll tell you a little bit about myself so i was uh, trained as an attorney spent many many years in politics what ran the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs, which was one of the biggest and most powerful for many years, for about five years, was involved in some some real estate development, moved on and uh, created a company in 1994 that some of you may have heard of called Credit.com, which we sold in 2015. And then in 2003, I uh, started a company called, at that time, Identity Theft 911, after a few years, at the request of many of our client companies, we changed our name because it was scaring people half to death to IDT 911, which after a few years, we then changed the name as we continued to grow because we had a lot of people saying, so are you a phone company or an alarm company? Uh, and as we went global, uh, and 911 does not mean in Europe what it means in the U.S., we changed the name to Cyber Scout and then sold that company in 2001 to a company that eventually sold it to now it's part of TransUnion. We were a company that was involved in identity theft education, information, identity management, breach preparedness, breach response, forensics, and for a while we were also involved in election security. Wow. That's quite a background. Thank you. But anyway, the bottom line, and you had asked me earlier about how does this relate to the travel industry? Well, it, it, it does in a number of ways. First of all, travel in and of itself is a petri dish for identity thieves and scammers and hackers. Uh, but uh, equally important, every business and every consumer is a target for a hacker. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Breaches have become the third certainty in life behind death and taxes. A lot of people have to understand whether you're a 
uh, a home-based travel agent or you're working for a massive travel organization in their offices, nobody is too unimportant or uh, too insignificant for any hacker to be interested in them. We may look in the mirror and see us, but when a hacker looks at us, they see Beyonce, Jay-Z, Adam Levine, you name it, but we've got what they want. And whether it's our personal information, our health-related information, our financial information, or it may have absolutely nothing to do with us, but it may have to do with somebody with whom we are affiliated, uh, whether it's your spouse, the company you work for, a philanthropic organization that you're involved with, or an educational institution where you are gaining additional education, any one of those things, they could be using us as the conduit to a much larger river. So people have to understand that as they protect themselves, they are protecting their families and they are protecting their companies because how many times have we seen a breach start because somebody clicked on the wrong link. Oh, yeah. And during the past few years where you've had so many people working from home and many of the listeners of this podcast work from home, uh, the security that you have for your systems may not be as robust as the security that would be used for systems where you're working in a large organization, in offices where they have uh, in-house tech teams and the like. So, if I'm working at home, as most home-based travel agents do, should I use a, a virtual private network and maybe tell people what, what a VPN, virtual private network, is and, and what it does? No, I think you should. And I think that the most important thing is that and one of the lions of the cybersecurity industry, whose name is Bruce Schneier, said this, and I, it's true. He goes, if you think throwing a lot of money at security is going to uh, throwing a lot of money of technology is going to solve your security problems, then you don't understand technology and you don't understand security. It really has to do with creating a culture of privacy and security. And if you're working from home, it's creating that culture from the living room to your home office. It's just like in, in a company, it's from the person at the front desk or the loading dock all the way up to the board of directors and back down again. So... You have to create that privacy and security mentality, and part of that is using a virtual private network, for instance. And that think of that as an encrypted tube uh, that, number one, makes it impossible for anyone to know who you really are and what you're really doing when you're searching online or doing your, your business online. It just is an additional layer of protection between your device and the device with which it's communicating. But that also means you have to do everything you can to protect your phone, your laptop, your PC, because you could be using a virtual private network, but if you have a corrupted device, all that means is that uh, you're going to be losing data and you still could put, be putting the person on the other side of that encrypted tube in harm's way as well. Oh, so if your phone is... is uh hacked or has software, malicious software on it, your, the VPN won't do you a lot of good if someone has access to that malicious software. Correct. Because they're, they're watching you or they're taking data from you as it either arrives with you or they're using you or your device 
as it goes through a VPN than to get to the person on the other side. They're, they're taking data from me, but that, would you include like Google and Facebook and some of the, those organizations that do gather data from you as, as someone who is a potential threat? Well, anyone that takes data from you is a threat if they get breached. Oh. And, the, and the problem is that there have been just tens of thousands of organizations that have been breached with billions of files. So, uh, you know, I try to make people understand that, look, it is highly likely that our information is out there because the, the volume of breaches, the tsunami of breaches is, is almost unthinkable. And I mean, just the one breach alone that everyone looks at as one of the iconic breaches was, uh, was Equifax. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people look at Equifax as a, as a watershed moment, and the truth is, it wasn't. It was, it was just simply a continuation of a problem that had been existing for a long time. The most iconic breach of all was back in 2005 with uh, a company called ChoicePoint, California at the time was the only state in the United States that passed a breach notification law. Incidentally, now, every state has some form of breach notification law, as well as jurisdictions like Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the like. We do not have a national breach notification law. We are not like Europe, where they have the GDPR, the General Data uh, Protection Regulation, uh, which does set a standard for the 28 nations that are part of the EU. Uh, so as a result, if you're an organization that operates in more than one state, you have to pay very close attention to what the laws are in the various states. And I think the other thing that people have to understand is the question is not, are you going to get breached? The question is, when are you going to get breached? Because as I said earlier, is that breaches are the third certainty in life, because it doesn't matter how terrifically secure you may be at any one moment in time, all you need is one person to click on the wrong link, and if the wrong person just happens to be on the other end of that click, uh, your organization has a problem. So you have to start with the premise that you're most likely going to be breached, and therefore, what's the plan if you're breached? And we can talk about that later, but we, in a book I wrote, with my colleague, Bo Friedlander, who's also my co-host of What the Hack with Adam Levin. It's called Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. We create a framework called Three M's, which is how do you minimize your risk of exposure? How do you monitor so you know as quickly as possible that you have a problem? And then how do you manage the damage? The travel agent working from home, what might be some best practices for them, other than a virtual private network, to help create that culture of being private, securing yourself, that type of thing? Oh, sure. Well, number one, use a strong password protocol. Many people have a tendency to use passwords that they've used before, passwords that are not particularly robust, <laughs> passwords like password, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's one of the popular ones, or one, two, three, four, five, six. Or QWERTY, which basically is the first few keys on your keyboard. Mm -hmm. And they not only use it in one place, but they use it everywhere. So number one is consider very strongly getting a password manager. 
which will either store all your passwords so you can sp let your spirit fly and how creative and complicated you'd like your passwords to be, or uh, it will create passwords for you that are a string of letters and numbers and symbols. It creates algorithms, password-related algorithms. Or what you can do if, if you feel uncomfortable doing that, then create a password, but it should be around three disassociated words that are then converted into symbols. So if you want to say something like, love your mother, or love, hate, barn, you know, any, any, anything where you want to come up with something that's disassociated, then what you do is, is you take a letter like an A and turn it into an at, you take a letter like an E and turn it into a three, an S, turn it into a dollar sign, an I or an L and turn it into an exclamation point. Uh, you could do underscores, you could do spaces, you could do a lot of different things. Never use a phrase that anyone who knows you knows that's your favorite phrase. Wow. <laughs> Some people do that, and that's a mistake. So password protocol and do not share your passwords across your universe because even if you have the most indecipherable password if it's been discovered as a result of a breach it's out there and someone's going to use it so therefore that's why it's best to use a password manager because it can you can change passwords literally at the drop of a dime so password manager second thing uh, enable two-factor authentication and that's where you start to log into something and all of a sudden uh, a, a note pops up and, and either asks you to identify certain symbols or says it will send a code to a device of yours, uh, generally your cell phone. It's just an extra layer of protection. Is it the silver bullet? No. There are people that have figured out ways around multi-factor authentication. Some people also have little devices connected to their computers that they can use a thumbprint. We know a lot of the laptops now come with, you can use your thumbprint in order to lock, unlock the uh, device. So it's got to be at least some additional form of identification that will more accurately authenticate you as you, as opposed to someone who's attempting to look like you. The third thing is be very careful of clicking on a link or opening an attachment because there are people that are very good at making links and attachments look like they are authentic. And you might get it through social media. You might get it through someone you think is your manager. You might get it from a friend. And th it may not be any of the above. Or it could be all of the above, but they have been sent something that they clicked on and looked at and thought it was important and they're passing it on to you, not realizing the person that sent it to them was trying to trick them. So that's why you have to be very careful and before you click on any link, run your cursor over it and make sure that it, it looks like it sh it's coming from where it should be coming from. Because if it's, if it's a notice, let's say from the, the National Travel Association, uh, and, and or whatever organization that you're affiliated with. and But when you run your cursor over the address, the words don't say anything like that, or there is a misspelling or extra letters or things like that, that could be a tip-off. Certainly links and attachments are, are, are a great way uh, to lure people in, and these folks make them look extremely authentic. 
and that's you know part of phishing campaigns. Phishing campaigns, I call them the pantheon of ishings. Uh, there can be phishing, which is dear cardholder, dear member, dear uh, uh, dear travel agent. There can be spear phishing, which would be dear Barry. There can be vishing. That's where you get a phone call from someone who th- sounds extremely authentic, uh, whether they say they're calling from the bank or the, or the government or the association that you're affiliated with uh, or the company you work for. And you have to be very careful about, about that. And then the, the last is called smishing, which stands for SMS text-based phishing, and that's where you get a text. And the one thing that all of these phishing attacks rely on is a sense of urgency. They want to get you to do something as quickly as possible, and they want to, in many cases, scare you half to death in order to inspire you to do something as quickly as possible. We, we have, have had people on the show that have lost Instagram accounts. And, you know, many people use their Instagram account not just to be social, but because they use it for their businesses. And they get a lot of business through their Instagram account. And let's say they don't use multi-factor authentication. They click on a link, and all of a sudden, someone takes over their account. Uh, someone presents themselves to Instagram as if they were the victim. Instagram is not as responsive as one would think, nor is Facebook, nor are any of the major social media sites. So you have to be very careful when you get anything like this, and these phishing attacks, again, are dangerous. I mean, I saw one recently where it was, uh, you violated uh, copyright standards, and click here uh, because we need to sort this out. Another one is, you violated community standards because many of these sites have created community standards, but they're not the guys sending out the violation of community standard notices. They are the scammers. So people have to be on the lookout for that. Just don't immediately click. Go to the the actual website of the organization and then click on whatever you need to once you're at an independently verified site to find out if there's a problem and contact the organization and find out. Oh yeah, interesting. Now we've we've talked about uh, what you can do in the office for, mm-hmm. for the travel agent. What can the travel agent tell their clients in terms of what the client should be aware of when they're traveling? What are some of the, I guess, most popular travel scams out there that a client could run into and experience? Oh sure. Well, it's just one last note before we leave, and that is that the most important thing that travel agencies and travel agents can do when they are part of a group is training. That, you know, your your team, they are the first line of attack and the last line of defense for any organization. So people should be trained in understanding what the threats are, what the red flags are, and then what you need to do. And... As part of a culture of privacy and security, it's very important for people to create an environment where anyone who's working with you or for you is not so intimidated by the concept that if they go to you and tell you that they clicked on the wrong link or they messed up or somebody has control of the cursor of their computer, that uh, we have a problem. If you can't foster an environment where people feel part of a team where everybody has a sense of ownership of the privacy and security, for that particular organization, it's never going to work because 
hackers and scammers identity they're splitters and what they do is they go after one individual and hope that that individual will be so scared they're going to do something and that they're not going to say anything oh, yeah. so that's important but now the kinds of scams that you're going to face when you're on the road or whatever first is fake wi-fi networks that's where you are whether it's a Starbucks that you stop at, whether it's a conference center, a hotel, uh, restaurants or whatever, they and many of them have their own Wi-Fi networks. You have to confirm with the organization what network they actually have and the correct spelling of that because oftentimes scammers and hackers will create a network that sounds and looks very familiar to someone who's looking for a specific network. I mean, now we had... To show you how crazy people can be, we used to run every year for Cyber Scouts something called the Privacy Exchange, and we brought on one of the top election hackers in the world who's also pretty good at hacking everything else. And he set up a fake Wi-Fi network and even labeled it Do Not Connect Fake Network. <laughs> and at least 35 people connected to the network because they weren't thinking. They just saw a network and they or their phone grabbed onto the network. They they embarrass themselves and it was good that they embarrass themselves as opposed to putting themselves in harm's way it's very important to to be able to suss out fake wi-fi networks that's why virtual private network is a good way to go that's why hotspots are a good way to go you you can through your through your mobile provider get access to to hotspots which again remove you from having to deal with some of the networks that you face ATM skimmers, uh, when you're on the road, oftentimes, whether you, when you're in a hotel or somewhere and you see an ATM machine, you use it. And oftentimes those ATM machines are in obscure locations in that particular uh, resort. Someone could have put a skimmer, which is a little device that's slid into the ATM machine that when you put your card in, it actually reads your card and, and gathers that information for the hackers, and in some cases will actually transmit it back to the hackers. And also, somewhere in the vicinity, there's a little teeny camera that's hidden that is taking note of the PIN number that you put into that for your ATM card, or, or in some cases, even for your credit card if you're using uh, cash functions on it. So if you're going to use an ATM machine, use one that's attached to or inside a bank or at least uh, uh, a well-respected financial institution of some kind uh, where someone is watching. There are mirrors up there so that you can see if someone's standing over your shoulder. They have their own security devices. They have their cameras looking to make sure that people aren't looking. And they're routinely swept to make sure that there aren't other devices out there that are foreign. You have vacation rental comms, uh, cons where Scammers will create very inviting-looking promotional uh, materials or on ads. There will be banner ads or whatever. You have to be very careful of those. You have to make sure before you click on a link, and this is for travel agents, too, that are helping their customers, make sure that you're dealing with, with an organization that's legitimate when you're booking things. You, know, may, you may think you found the equivalent of the cure to cancer as a travel agent in terms of pricing because you go to some third-party organization that sounds familiar, that's offering the deal of the century, so now you can be a hero 
to your clients and just make sure you're dealing with the right organization. Uh, also, third-party sites for booking. People have to be very careful if they decide to do their own booking, which I know saddens home-based travel agents and all travel agents. Uh, but they will have some clients that will be working with them on some things, but then will try to independently do things on their own. And part of the education program for why people should be working with home-based agents or official travel agents is that you can get yourself in a lot of trouble by going to some third-party site that makes it sound really good, but they don't read reviews and they don't really check them out. Yeah. They're... Tra travel club scams. Uh, they're travel, fraudulent travel clubs. They say, you know, pay us some money, we'll get you great deals, and then you find out later that you're hit with handling charges, restrictions, fees, and you end up paying significantly more than if you booked your travel for your travel agent or more standard means of that. Then there's double booking scams, and that's where you, again, are not working with a reputable travel agent, and you should be, where you get the deal of the century, and then not too long before you're set to leave, you get a phone call from the person representing that organization saying, oh, you know, it's a terrible thing. We just found out the hotel. Even though we booked it, they double booked it, like airlines do sometimes. So tell you what, if you agree to pay us a little bit extra, we're, we'll... Uh, pay somebody at there a little extra, and you'll have your room back. No bueno. <laughs> That's, you're going to get yourself in trouble there. So, you know, there, there are a number of the scams that people face. Then we can talk about scams that actually occur at the hotel. Oh, yeah. These are kind of the general overall scams to watch out for. And what happens in a hotel? Well, hotels, you, you check in, you go to your room late at night, and you get a phone call, presumably from the front desk, except it's not from the front desk. And they say to you that when we were entering uh, the digits from your, your card, uh, something didn't go through. You know, probably we misentered a digit or maybe the credit card you gave us is uh, over the limit. So first, if you could give us the credit card you used when you checked in, then we'll, we'll check to make sure everything's okay. You give them that card or they ask you for another card because your card may be over the limit even though you sit there going I'm, I'm not over the limit but it's late at night you're tired you're half asleep and you respond so never respond to a phone call from the front desk asking you to provide information go downstairs to the front desk and ask them did you just call me before you give anybody information then there's the flyer scam and that is you you get to your room you're tired, you're hungry, room service is wrapped up for the night, but as luck would have it, there was a flyer under your door from a local pizzeria or a local restaurant. And so you, you look at the menu, you pick up the phone, you call them, it sounds very legit, they take your information, uh, they take your order, they get your credit card number, they hang up, and an hour later, you're starving, there's no food, because someone just stole your credit card because your dinner. You didn't get dinner. Oh. Also, there's ex excursion scams, and that's, that's where if you're going to be at, at a property, then what you need to do is speak to the concierge 
don't, you know, somebody, some local person in town that said, you know, I got a great place. Very few people know about this. You should go there. Or your driver says, by the way, while you're here, there's this wonderful site. You should go. I'm happy to take you. Check with your hotel and make sure it's real. Because sometimes a, an excursion site will end up where you are the excursion and nobody <laughs> hears from you again. So therefore, if, it's, if you're taking a trip to a secret cave, make sure it's a real cave before you end up becoming the secret. Oh, interesting. Uh, all very good stuff. Your discussion of that scam reminded me of the time uh, my wife and I, we honeymooned in Bangkok, Thailand, and mm -hmm. uh, hired a driver. The driver was good. He did, did a good job, got us around the city, took us to, you know, the popular tourist spots. And then we told the driver, well, we're, we're hungry. Can you take us to a good restaurant? And we went to the restaurant <laughs> and lo and behold the prices that we paid at that restaurant were probably about four times uh, the amount that we would have paid if we just found a restaurant on our own oh ab absolutely and you know that the driver was getting a vig so yeah you know they got to cover the cost of paying him off yeah, or her yeah, off too yeah. yeah another another personal story is too that we, my wife and i were in puerto vallarta and we were staying in an all-inclusive resort but one night uh, we decided to go off the resort to a popular steakhouse in, in town. And actually this is the only place, the, the steakhouse was the only place where we used a credit card. A few days later we got back to the United States, got home and I get a call from the bank saying, uh, are you trying to buy two motorcycles in such and such town in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> no. We weren't looking for motorcycles or buying Mexico's uh, in, in central Mexico, no. But apparently the credit card was swiped, hijacked uh, at that restaurant, skimmed, went far and wide in a very short period of time, apparently. No, absolutely. That's why it's always, you know, better. The European model is always better generally, which is where they come to your table with the device. You see it. It's never out of your sight. That doesn't mean that somehow they don't figure out a way to get a copy of it, but uh, at least it's a little bit more secure. I mean, they're starting to do that more in the United States as well. Yeah. I mean, I got a call once from my bank that said, uh, are you in Paris? And at the time I was in New York, I said, no. I said, am I having a good time? They said, the best. <laughs> so, so now I have some, I can give you some tips on, you know, some additional things people should do with your permission. Sure. First of all, always use a credit card, never a debit card. And the reason is because with a credit card, it's the bank's money. With a debit card, it's your money. And you have more time with a credit card than with a, with a bank, although banks are getting a lot better now when it comes to helping people through incidents with their ATM cards. You still have better liability protections, better warranties, all of that, using a credit card as opposed to a debit card. As, I, as we said, only use ATM machines at banks. Even though it's not foolproof, make sure your phone is locked when you travel. So come up with a code, but it shouldn't be 12345 or 9876. It should be something more creative, uh, and it should be probably six digits to lock your phone as opposed to four because it makes it infinitely more difficult for someone to break into your phone uh, with six digits than four. 
also, if you're traveling into an area that's known for cybercrime, like if you're visiting China or Russia or Iran or any of those countries, uh, you might consider bringing a burner phone that, that doesn't have much information on it uh, so that if someone gets their hands on it or finds a way to break into it, that you're not as exposed. Also, if, the, if your laptop or your phone or any other electronic device isn't on your person, then make sure that it's in a safe at the hotel. Right. You know, don't leave it out in your room. Uh, you know, a lot of people, it, your, your hotel room is not your castle. And there's an awful lot of people that go through that room at any one time, whether it's security, engineering, the, the maid staff, people with room service. So that's why you just be very careful and lock things up. Also, this is a big one. Don't share your travel plans on social media while you're in the midst of it. In other words, instead of sharing the moment in real time, which most people can't control themselves and they do, uh, try to report on it as a memory. Because when you're telling people where you are, by implication, you're telling people where you're not. Right. It's, it, it, this is of great interest before uh, to uh, scammers and hackers and burglars as to where you are, and then they can extrapolate where you're not. So you want to be careful about that. You also want to do your homework before you go on third-party travel sites. That's why it's best to use a, a travel agent with whom you're familiar, with whom you have a relationship, who you trust. VPNs and hotspots are important. And, of course, the last thing, if something seems too good to be true, it's highly likely that it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, along that vein, and another story of mine, and this, this happened many years ago back when I was working in law enforcement, we had a couple who received a phone call, and the phone call was allegedly from a nice restaurant in the area, Diamond Harbor Inn, which is no longer there anymore, but very nice restaurant on, on Diamond Lake down in southern Michigan. And they got a phone call from, supposedly, from Diamond Harbor Inn saying that, that they'd want a giveaway, $100 gift certificate for a meal, and, and they can come and have the meal at a certain time say it was, I don't remember the time of day, but say it was 6 p.m. Friday, come, come into the restaurant at 6 p.m. Friday and we'll set you up with your, uh, with your gift certificate and your meal. Well, a couple, right. couple went to Diamond Harbor Inn Friday at 6 o'clock or whatever it was, and while they were there discovering that there was no such gift certificate, uh, while they were there, the house was being robbed. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good one. That's yeah. A, yeah. No, it's just, it, it, the, there is no end to the creativity and sophistication of hackers and scammers. So you have to remember, you're facing off as in somebody who's sophisticated, who has done this before. We all have lives. We work, we raise families, we do all that. But to a hacker, scammer, or identity thief, we are their day job. Right. We have to keep remembering that. And so they will always come up with things that are incredibly creative and they can be extremely persistent. If they think they've got you and they think you started to wriggle away, they're going to keep calling you and hope that they're going to drive you crazy to the point where you're going to pick up the phone or, you know, press some authorization in order to just get them out of your hair. And that's when you, you get yourself in trouble. 
when I was head of consumer affairs in New Jersey, I remember there were these companies, by the way, they were, that had these giveaways, going back to your story about giveaways, and, and people would you know, fall for the giveaway. One giveaway was that you could get a one-week free vacation at a resort on the coast in Texas, and people fell for it. Unfortunately, it was a motel behind an oil rig yeah. near the shore in Texas. So it was, it was not quite what they expected. Yeah. But that's why, you know, when I, I mentioned the three M's, the best way that people need to protect themselves is, is the first M is how do you minimize your risk of exposure, reduce your attackable surface, and doing a lot of the things we talked about today will help you do that. Uh, the second M is how do you effectively monitor so you know you have a problem? Well, one of the ways is you get your credit report often and you actually read it. And you're looking in particular for things that you have never heard of before. If you didn't hear of it and it suddenly appears, then you have to do something about it, which is you need to contact the credit reporting agency and, and uh, let them know that there's a problem with your report. The second thing is monitor your credit score. Let's say you're on the road and all of a sudden your credit score takes an, an, a, a surprise uh, drop that you can't explain. It could be because you didn't pay a bill, you've used too much of your available credit, or you're a victim of identity theft. You need to know that. Another very important thing to have, especially when you're traveling, is what's called transactional monitoring. And that means that any time any transaction occurs in your credit card or your bank account, you're notified. And then you can say, well, that was me or it wasn't me. We've had a lot of cases where people get notified, even if it's in their own home area, mm of something going on and they go, well, it may say that I was at the ATM machine an hour and a half ago, but I've been home for the past five hours. People have to remember that millions of credit and debit cards are sold on the dark web by not only number, by available credit, by credit balance, by if it's a card that has points, and another biggie is zip code. Because if, if, if you're a uh, hacker, a thief, or a, uh, um, a scammer, and you can pull off a lot of transactions in an area where it's not abnormal for a particular person to shop or work or live, uh, the bank may miss it. But you won't oh. if you get that notification. So do that. Then there's something, as, as and I know it may sound obscure, but it isn't, when you get an explanation of benefit statements from your health insurer, read it. Because you may look at it and go, wait a minute, I was not at that doctor's office on that day. Uh, hmm. We had a 72-year-old grandmother we worked with that on the same day, opposite sides of the country, her insurance was billed for a pregnancy test and a sperm viability test. <laughs> and she picked that up. And her insurance company hadn't figured that one out. And she had a fight with them to get them to to reverse the charge, but they, they finally did. Then, of course, there are more sophisticated forms of uh, credit monitoring that monitor your identity, that monitor the dark web, uh, because it's important for you to know if your phone number or your email address or your credit cards are, are being used on the dark web or being offered for sale on the dark web, uh, that that's going on. And the third M, which is probably the most important, certainly for businesses and for consumers, is how do you manage the damage? 
if you become a victim, if, if your business has been hit with ransomware, if your travel agency just suffered a breach where data is being exfiltrated, or as a consumer where you become a victim of some identity incident, a lot of people don't realize that through their insurance company, their financial institution, and now more and more their employers, there are programs available uh, that they can use if they believe that they've had an identity incident. And this, these programs have professionals who will actually guide you through the process. In some cases, uh, they will just do everything for you and then, uh, and then make sure six months later and a year later that you're not having any additional problems. Uh, so the way to find out is contact your insurance agent or your financial services rep or the HR department where you work and say, do you have a program to help me if I think I've become a victim of identity theft? Am I in it? If not, what do I need to, to, to get in it? Is it free? In some cases, believe it or not, it's free. It's a perk of your relationship. Or is it deeply discounted? Usually when there's monitoring as part of it, you can get a discount. Or do I have to pay full freight? But even then, whatever you pay is nothing compared to what you will pay if you become a victim of some of the more sophisticated forms of identity theft, it could take months, it could take years, it could impact your uh, finances, it could impact your family, it could create all sorts of emotional repercussions. Uh, so really three M's, minimize your risk, monitor and manage the damage. Now, if people want to go into more depth into these topics, your book, your book goes into these topics more. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the book and, and what people could expect uh, uh, if they would pick that up. Yeah, the book is, is, is really a, a, a dissertation on the three M's, but it's also chock with all kinds of stories of how people fell victim to all kinds of scams, and, and many of them were very innocent. You know, the, the book opens with the story about a young guy named Alex who works at Target. And he's a cashier. He's 16 years old. He's a very handsome young man. And he looks up one day, and, and there's like a line of 100 young women that are standing uh, to check out with him because apparently someone had taken his picture, sent it to a friend on, on Instagram. Uh, the friend thought he was quite handsome, and so they posted it. And it's one of those where they post, someone else posts. It went viral. And they were able to determine where he was, and so a lot of people showed up. By the time he got to his mother's car at the end of his shift, because his phone had died, so he plugged his phone in at the car, he suddenly realized he had 100,000 followers, hmm. and it, it snowballed to the point where his family's information somehow got out there, and they became victims of identity theft. They were victims of threats, all kinds of crazy things. So, and all this was was just a good-looking young guy who was a cashier at a Target wow. who was discovered by somebody and in literally an hour and a half became an overnight social media star. <laughs> so, you know, these kinds of things can happen. Uh, but it talks about, uh, about 100 different kinds of scams and what they are, and ways that you can, you know, protect yourself against it. So it's called, it's called Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. 
and it's available on Amazon and other places you would get your books. Okay, great. And is there anything else that we should touch on before we close out here? I think the most important thing is that as much as we'd like to believe that we're being protected by business and by government, we're not. I mean, business is trying, government tries, but the reality is this is a problem that really impacts each and every one of us. And so as the chairman, uh, excuse me, the CEO of Microsoft said a couple of years ago, this is a shared responsibility that uh, business hasn't done enough, uh, government hasn't done enough, consumers haven't done enough. And we have to look at this as it's a problem and it could be something as simple as teaching it from the bottom up, which means teaching your children that they need to do this in order to protect the household because kids can be weapons of mass destruction within a household mm -hmm. when it comes to cyber. <laughs> that having them you know, teach their parents uh, that, uh, and, and, and having everyone understand that any mistake that you make, as innocent as it may be, could not only impact you, but it could impact where you work, where you, people you know, other members of your family, and if by some chance your business happens to be involved in something that one might say is national security related, you know, believe it or not, it's the, the, it's like the, the whole ripple in a pond that, that a mistake made at one person's home could end up impacting America. Yeah. So therefore, you know, we're kind of all in this together. We need to collaborate, cooperate, communicate, and educate. Educate is so critical. You need to educate yourself. You need to educate the people you work with, the people who work for you, and even the people for whom you work. Uh, wherever you can have an opportunity to you know, spread the word and make people understand. Just like I say to companies, don't assume that you're going to hand someone a an orientation package that gives them the do's and don'ts when it comes to cybersecurity, and then you're not going to talk about it until uh, next year or the halfway mark, or in your employee evaluation. No, 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 no. This has got to be an ongoing conversation because cybersecurity is national security. It is financial security, uh, and it is also peace of mind. And we have to be on our toes every minute because you can be completely secure at 901, and at 904, somebody clicks on the wrong link, and your company or your household is exposed. Yeah. Well, this has all been great information and actually valuable information. And I really appreciate you coming on board and, and sharing the information with us. Is there, <laughs> after this topic, I have a hard time asking this question. Is there any, sure. any contact information or any, uh, any ways that listeners could get a hold of you uh, that you might want to share? Oh, sure. Um, we, uh, have a website, adamlevin.com. That's like the other guy, except I don't have the E and, uh, adamlevin.com. And then our, our podcast, which is, uh, we put a new one up every week. It's called what the hack with Adam Levin. And it's available anywhere that you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or any of the other, uh, outlets. And I want to say I've, I've listened to your podcast, Adam. It's a great podcast. Well done, well produced, and interesting conversations that go on there. So thank you for doing that. 
Well, and, I appreciate it. We, what, we, what we try to do is create a, a no-shame zone, which is where people can come on and talk about whatever happened to them and understand they're not alone because yeah. it's probably happened to pretty much everybody else. Yeah. But it's important for them to give examples of, of so people can just have one more piece of data in their own personal data bank as to what a threat is and what a solution may be and what a red flag is. Yeah, and what directions these threats are coming from. Yes. Yeah. All very good. And also for listeners, uh, you can contact me at Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, at hometravelagent.net and on Facebook at facebook.com slash H-B-T-A-S, the initials for the Home-Based Travel Agent Show. And Adam, it's been a pleasure. And on behalf of the listeners, I want to thank you for all that great information that you've given us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks again, Adam. I really enjoyed the discussion. And uh, maybe we can have you back again sometime uh, in the future to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, What a fascinating topic. And I'm sure there's many, many more stories out there that's available to uh, talk about these hackers and scammers. Well, what, what did you think, Alicia? I thought that Adam gave us some great information. And we hope that you will never be a victim of one of these scams or attacks. I too want to thank Adam. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. And Barry, what's coming up for the show? Well, what's coming up are some shows that are are going to be focused on destinations. So uh, we're excited to bring those along to you. And we've got some exciting destinations to explore here in the Home-Based Travel Agent Show. And we'll have those uh, over the next few shows. So destination focus, that's what's coming up. And I want to thank you once again for being a listener. Uh, I'm honored to have you on board here with us. And until the next show, uh, stay healthy, safe travels. Bye-bye for now, everybody. Take care.